0: In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Just get a quick review. So we know that this, we're talking about the life of Samuel, and we saw how Samuel grew with God. And then recently, we saw there's a problem that happened. There was a war between Palestine and the Jews. And the Jews were far away from God. And they thought that the way they can win the battle, they brought in the ark. The Philistines took the ark. And they thought that they defeated the God of Israel. And we saw when the ark was in the lands of the Philistines, it actually caused a lot of destruction. Until the Philistines themselves said, you know what, we no longer want the ark with us. We no longer want it here. They sent it to the way of the Jews. And last time we talked about how it came to the city of Shemesh, which is a city of the Jews, while they were reaping and while they were collecting the harvest, he saw the ark coming. And if you guys remember last time we said the Philistines just wanted to confirm that, that the ark is the reason for all their disasters, for all the people who died. So what did they do? They brought in two cows that just give birth to a young cow and, and put the ark on a new cart and let it go. Usually a cow, a mother cow that just give birth, she should look go back, look after her child but they watched the cows actually going forward toward Israel. And that made, made them confirm from their own hearts that the ark was the one who caused them all this disaster. And the ark does not want to be in the land of Philistines. It wants to go back to its own land. So last time we stopped at verse 15, it says that the Levites in the, in the city of Bethshemesh. we said the, the city of Bethshemesh had some Levites. If you guys remember, just to to, just a refresher there are 12 tribes in israel right one of them is levite and levite is the only tribe that did not get a land a heritage the priest did not get a land heritage what happened was they were distributed throughout israel to serve in every land and the tribe of joseph was split into two benjamin and manasseh so technically the land was divided over 12 people Twelve tribes, twelve families, but the Levites actually did not have a land, they were just a priest. So every small, every city of the Jews did have some priest. So the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, which were the oracles of gold, and put them on a large stone. Then the men of Bashemesh offered burnt an offering and made sacrifice the same day to the Lord. So what they did was they took all the oracles that came and they offered our Lord a sacrifice. They offered the ark a sacrifice. They're very happy to see the ark. So when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Akron the same days. Remember I was telling you the Philistines were following the ark, seeing where it's going to go? When they saw that it came to Bethshemesh and they saw that it arrived to a Jewish uh, city safely, they said, "You know what? Yes, it was the ark causing us this way." So they left and went back. There are the golden tumors, which the Philistines return as a trespass offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Goth, and one for Akron. One of the most beautiful things about the offering of the Philistines is that they felt that every city sinned against God. You know, sometimes in our life, we always try to find justifications. But they felt that all of them have sinned against the ark even the cities that treated the ark with great respect they also felt that they have sinned against God and the golden rats remember I was telling you there was golden tumors these are the tumors that God allowed to be caused which is said it's not like cancerous tumor it's more like swollen Any, 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 any swollen parts in the body they would call it tumors and the golden rats because they thought the rats are the ones that cause the tumors so just like Moses made the manna Uh, the golden manna and put it inside the the ark they also made like a golden statue to remind as a way to to tell god of israel look what you have done to us we're always going to remember you know the your power and your might according to the number of all the cities of the palestinian belonging to the five lords both fortified cities and young villages even as far as the large stone of abel in which they set the ark of the lord which stone remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Bethshemesh? So the sacrifice they offered was not only for the big cities, but also for the, all the villages around it. And from a spiritual sense, when I offer repentance, sometime when we offer repentance, we focus a lot on the sins that we f- think it's a big sin. Somebody, must have committed fornication, pornography, They think this is a big sin. But when they offer repentance, they offer repentance for all. Because repentance in its essence is not about the specific sin. It's about the desire to be with God. The desire to change. Because sometimes when the attachment to a single sin makes me develop a wrong relationship with god look what happened when the ark went to a jewish city Shemesh. then he this is god struck the men of Shemesh because they had looked they had looked into the ark of the lord they had looked where into the ark of the lord he struck fifty thousand and seventy men of the people and the people lamented because the lord had struck the people with great slaughter what happens in the old days you were not even allowed to look at the ark you guys know in the liturgy at the end of the liturgy when the deacon prays the confession he puts a little handkerchief to cover his eyes this handkerchief so he does not see the body face to face out of reverence to the body even the priest, when he gives communion, you see the body is covered with handkerchief. There is the dome, and then the, 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 uh, the handkerchief covers it. And sometimes when people come take communion, they bow down, they offer matanias, they offer prostrations, because we're not in a state of who can look at the face of God. So it's not only they looked at it, they looked inside it. And it looks like it looks like the people of Beth Shemesh made it like a made it like a, a, a destination point. People from all Israel would come, come watch the Ark. That's why the Bible says God has struck fifty thousand and seventy men. By the way, this number. Why am I telling you? Most likely, they invited the people from outside Beth Shemesh. Beth Shemesh is a very small city. Fifty thousand and seventy men. That's a too big of a number for the city itself. So most likely, God struck 50,000 from all over Israel who came to visit. And maybe 70 from the city itself. Some some scholars say that God struck 50 out of every 1,000. And that kind of brought it up to 70. But it's very clear that the, the number 50,000 seven, and 70 men does not only refer to people in Beshamesh, but also all the cities around it. And people lamented. Why did they lament? Because God has struck the people with a great slaughter. This is a type of lament that is useless lament. Instead of being sad, saddened for their own sins. And saddened for not treating the ark with great respect. They are sad because of the consequence of their action. They're sad because of the consequence of what? Of their action. This happens all the time. A lot of times we blame God whenever I'm facing a problem. But instead of saying, I have sinned, I was wrong. I come and I'm unhappy with the consequence and I go back and blame God. And the men of Bashamash said, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And who, and to whom shall it go up from us? So he's saying, but the, the expression who, sh- who is able to stand before God, this is a specific expression for the priests. Like who is able to minister to God? They finally realized that who can offer service the right way to God? Remember, this is not about, by the way, the ark and looking at the ark, I'm not looking at the ark. This is about people understanding of God and having the wrong relationship with God. They brought in the ark to the battle earlier as thinking like God is a warrior who's just gonna kill their enemy, regardless of how good they are, how repentant they are. They forgot there is a covenant that God told them, you must follow one, two, three, four, and only under this condition we have a covenant. It's not unconditional. It's not unconditional. It's not like I keep sinning and do whatever it is and that's okay, no. But God here wanted to remind them that you have forgotten the principles in which the relationship with God is based on. One of the most important principles is the reverence in worship, is knowing who you're talking to. And the chastising of God is actually a good way. That's why they came to realize, they said, who can serve God? We don't deserve to stand in front of God. A few minutes ago, they were opening the ark. They're probably taking pictures. Everybody's going back to their homes. Oh, I've seen the ark. You know, the ark that's in the holies of holies that only the priest can see once a year. Oh, it's right here. We just come and take pictures. Come hang out with it. Instead of repenting, instead of thanking God, that's what they did. So then, the messengers to the inhabit- so they sent the messengers to the inhabitants of Keret Jeharim, Keret Jeharim, saying, "The Palestinians have brought back the Ark of the Lord. Come now, down and take it up with us." So look at what happened to the Jewish people in Bashemesh. Acted exactly the same way the Palestinians have done. They sent to another city, Keret Jeharim, and they told them, "Come." Take the ark. This is another city, by the way, that has Levite. Instead of them offering repentance, instead of them trying to see what would it take to make God happy, they said, I don't want God anymore. I don't want Him in my life. When God tried to chastise us sometimes, our reaction, instead of saying, I wanna repent. I say, God, I don't want you. Because you don't act according to my own will. Let me send you somewhere else. But they did exactly like what the Philistines have done. Now we're gonna go back to we're gonna go to chapter seven. Then the men of Karajarim came and took the Ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill. Look at this beautiful man. And consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the Ark of the Lord. Eleazar, or, 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 Eleazar this, this name is a very common name for a Levi, for a priest. So they brought the ark to a house of a priest. And what did this uh, priest do? He consecrated his son to take care of the ark. He said, I am going to give you, God, the most valuable thing I have is my son. He's not going to go work. He's not going to go make money. He's not going to do anything. He's going to serve the ark day and night. He's going to worship God day and night. They finally consecrated a person to watch over the ark. There's one thing I I want you also to keep in mind. Remember earlier I was telling you that this is, by the way, 1 Samuel is way before the Temple of Solomon being built. We're talking about living in a tent. So the fact that they did not send the ark back to Shiloh most likely means that this city was destroyed completely by the Philistines. Because remember, this is where they should hold the ark. And we will see that this city, as we talk for the next three chapters, almost doesn't exist. So most likely the place that they should hold the ark in was destroyed. And until this point, by the way, none of them have reached out to Samuel to seek an advice. And the people of Israel were punished more than the people of Philistines. The people of Philistines disrespected God. But the people of Israel should have known much more. They were found more blameworthy than the people of Philistines. Because they should have known better. They should have known better. So it was that the Ark remains encourage a harem a long time. It was there twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So the the the, the timeline between verse one and verse 2, two, seven one and seven two, is twenty years. They brought in the ark of Abid into the house of Abi and Abinadab, and his son was consecrated to serve God. Finally, God found rest. Where did He find rest? in a poor village with no visitors silence in a poor home but he found rest with a father who consecrated his son just like God the father gave us his son this is where God finds rest when there is sacrifice when there is love you see the man the Deneb was not scared everywhere the ark goes people die everywhere the ark goes people die he said I will take the ark of the Lord I, 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 I desire to revere God I desire to serve him sometimes people have spiritual wishes without knowing what it takes to get there without knowing the amount of effort and sacrifice and humility that it takes to get there it's an artificial desire let's have the ark shallow worship fake relation we have the ark we have the ark what does it mean you guys know St. Bimwa, one of the anchorites. All what he knew how to pray is to say, our father. That's all what he knew how to pray. And that our father for him was enough to make him one of the anchorites. We all have arcs in our homes, and our life. One of the saints in, in the in the paradise father, when he used to pray, "Our Father," he would hear a voice from heaven, tell him, "Yes, speak, my son." Do I know what it takes to call God, when I call on God, or I say "Our Father," and my mind is somewhere else, my heart is in another place, and then I say I pray. God was a guest over his house for 20 years. In a house of somebody who wanted to become holy. He wanted to become holy. Look at the end of this verse. It says, a, the, the, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Israel probably in this period for 20 years. Remember I told you. Palestinians when the last war. The army was dismantled. Most likely, all their cities were destroyed. They lived, a very po- they lived a very poor life. Their place of worship is destroyed. They finally stopped complaining. They finally stopped blaming God. They finally learned how to respect God. And finally said, they lamented after the Lord. They lamented after the Lord. Because... They realized that it was their own mistakes, their own sins. Look, after 20 years, and after they finally lamented, finally the man of God came to speak to them, Samuel. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only. Prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. Just a quick technical point. The main reason he's he's identifying foreign gods and Ashtaroth separately because Ashtaroth is the only female god that the Israelites would worship at that time. And her worship required people to commit adultery. Remember when we were talking about Eli the priest and his sons? And we said his sons used to commit adultery with a woman in the altar. They've learned this from this kind of worship. Can you imagine the people of Israel deviated so much from God to the point that they worshipped other gods? It took a complete destruction of the city, of the army, of their building, of everything they depend on. Until they came back and said, we have sinned. And once they prepared their heart, God sent them the man of God. Sometimes you might talk to people who are not in the spiritual state where they are willing to listen. And they could actually drain you. Because they are not willing to listen. God paved the hearts of Israel. So when Samuel speaks, their hearts are ready to receive. Their hearts are ready to receive. This is one of the few verses, one of the few sermons that Samuel gives. It's few verses. And actually this sermon, you will see it, similar language of Jacob as in Genesis 35.2 and Joshua in 24.14. He says, Get, you, get, you rid, get rid of the foreign gods and worship God alone. Part of us returning to God requires obviously the negative side of worship. I get rid of all the idols in my life. And then I dedicate myself completely. Commit yourself to God. Worship God only. Some people return to God, but they don't give all their heart to God. Their heart is still full of revenge and contentions and hatred and sinful relationships and obsessions and showing off and, and worried about looks and worried about food and worried about. They have not given their heart to God fully. That's why he told them only when you give your heart to God fully, he will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. You only enjoy the promises of God when you do your parts. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't seen much in the scripture of unconditional promises. I have not seen much in the scripture of unconditional promises. You always have to offer part of your will. Otherwise, it will be not a loving relationship. From God. So the, f- the children of Israel. Put away the bowels. Ashtaroth. And served the Lord only. All the church repented. And by the way. This is an important powerful image. For example. When you have two couples. Who are engaged or married. It's good when they repent together. Because the whole house. Repents together. When you have a group of friends, it's good when they repent together. Because if one person repents, they kind of come back and affect him or her. There's a power when we all repent, there's a power when we all change. That's why when you go confess, when you go repent, encourage your friends, encourage your families. Many times I see parents bringing their children and then they themselves don't confess. Sometimes, you see people focusing so much on themselves and leaving their families behind. The repentance comes much better when we all do it. Imagine if you offer repentance and you go back home to your wife or to your spouse, and they're not in the same spiritual state as you are. You guys gonna fight. Or you're going to feel you're much better than them. There's a lot of power when we repent together. As a Sunday school service, as a household, as a friends, there's a lot of power. Samuel did something a little crazy. We'll see what he did. And Samuel said, gather all the people to Maspa, and I will pray to the Lord for you. Whenever in the old days, even until now you are under oppression of another country, you should never have a great gathering because you will think you're trying to rebel. So Samuel said, gather all the people. We're going to have a church meeting. We're going to have a liturgy. We're going to pray. And he said, I will pray to the Lord for you. You see, this is the rule of the priest, of the prophet, to intercede on behalf of people. intercessor and each one of us a father he is the priest of his house is an intercessor for his house each one of us is an intercessor for the people whom God entrusted in his, his hands when I stand in front of God and I pray and tell God, God for the sake of your people it's much different when I only pray about myself only and care for myself only so they fasted they prayed and now they gather together in a place and almost they're confess, confessing their sins so Samuel is praying for them to. it's almost like the absolution kind of let's all get kind of pray, let's all become pure let's all gather together and this is the same cycle we have in our life, we get rid of the idols, we, we confess we repent, then we come to the liturgy to take communion It's the same cycle that we have in our life. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, and they said there, we have sinned against the Lord and Sam will judge the children of Israel at Mizpah. They did something weird. They brought in water and poured it on the floor. What does that mean? It means that they proclaimed their abstinence from the necessity of life, they said, we know lo- we want to live a very humble life in front of God. even the necessity the most necessarily things in our life, we put it on the floor in front of God. We're going to depend on him in everything. that's why uh, if you guys remember. Teresa she said, of Havela, she said if you deprive yourself from water, you will never desire wine. If you deprive yourself from bread, you will never desire meat. People who don't fast Wednesday and Friday, they're going to have a hard time controlling what they watch, what they listen to. They're going to have a hard time, have self-discipline with their relationships. Because in the simple things like food, they cannot control themselves. How would you expect them to control themselves and bigger things? And the simplest thing, they find justifications. How about the big things? They are telling God, God, even the necessity of life, we put it under your feet. Be careful, because they could have confessed at home. But they came together all together and they said, We are all sinful. part of true confession is to humble myself and say I have committed a mistake not only in front of God not only in front of the priest but even for the people I have sinned against even for the people I have sinned against that's why for example when people come and say I stole we say we'll try to return what you have stolen I have gossiped or tried to repair some of the damage you have caused. I have lied. Feel courage that comes with repentance. They all came together and said we're all sinful. Imagine with me when the parents and the grandparents standing and the little kids seeing their parents and grandparents were authority figures Repenting and saying, We made mistakes. In a culture like the the Jewish culture in the Middle East, this is not easy. It's not easy for a head of a tribe to come and say, I've made a mistake. Now, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel held of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Obviously, as I was telling you, Samuel should not have, well, I it's not should not, his gathering is a, is a violation of the political orders of the Philistines. But he was courageous. He says, Look, we want to repent. What are you going to do to us? Kill us? Kill us after we repented. This doesn't matter certain events the church does everything in his power to prevent it to happen somebody was was talking to me the other day and they told me they were I forgot reading or watching something about a a satanist priest a priest who used to worship satan when he became Christian he said the one thing that the devil cannot overcome is prayer the one thing that the devil cannot overcome Is prayer. So the people. Of Israel. Repented. They give their life to God. They're praying. Now what's expected. The warfare of the devil. Nothing new. Nothing new. Now the devil is trying to fight them. In a different way. Which is fear. And fear. Is a common driving force in all life now you're going to face your fear in a different way you think you prayed, you repented and khalas, your lust and desires, you kind of, sub, you, you kind of control them and subdue them now I'm going to make you fight, fight another war, let's face your fears, are you afraid to speak up the truth are you afraid of how your life would look like if you walk with God, are you afraid of missing out in life look at all these people are having good, good time and fun and what about you? He will try to exploit your fears. So the, children, the response of the children of Israel became so much different. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. You see the fruit of repentance? The first thing they did was to ask for more Prayer more intercession when they got closer to God they understood that they are unworthy they understood that they need an intercessor they understood that they need to repent I always feel like when we're so far away from God. We feel like God is, we perceive God as difficult and evil. And the more we get closer to Him, the more we feel we're far, and the more we feel we're unworthy, we're undeserving. We're unworthy and undeserving. And by the way, this verse proves the concept of intercession. When people say, well, I can't talk to God directly. The, in the Old Testament, Moses interceded for people, Samuel interceded for people. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. Yes, anybody can talk to God, absolutely. But there are some people who became a special channel of grace from God. Because of how holy and dedicated their life to God is. And someone took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burning offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel And the Lord answered him So beautiful The the whole life of Samuel We'll see this as we go on God talks to him God answers him So close It's unbelievable He took a lamb This is by the way The the practice of uh, the, the Aaron priesthood They took a lamb They slaughtered it This is the same practice And he started kind of going back To the typical worship and rites they had No more he's doing what Eli and his son doing, keeping some meat for himself or hiding stuff. They went back to the traditional worship. The way it should be. And they took a lamb. They offered all of it without blemish. Obviously, the lamb reminds us of Christ. And I remember in one time I was reading a beautiful book. And the author said in the book, they said, The greatest thing I could offer to God is his own heart. So I ask you God to give me your heart so that I may offer it to you. So here, what's the greatest thing the people of Israel can offer to God? A symbol of Christ. If you look through the Old Testament, you will see the cross and the Eucharist are repeated over and over and over again. And I personally feel sad and heartbroken for every person who does not participate in the Eucharist. The greatest intimacy with God that he has been speaking about it before even he came. Because he wanted... To show us how much he can't wait for the moment where we can unite with him. It's throughout the Bible. And God answers Samuel. This is what happens in the Eucharist. God answers us. How did God answer Samuel? We'll take maybe one more verse and then we'll continue next time. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering... The Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, so they, and so confused them that they, over, they, that they were overcome before Israel, and the men of Israel went out of Mesbah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkor. Very strange thing. If you guys remember the first time, When the the Israelites were far away from God, they were at war. What happened at war? They brought in the ark and they screamed. What did the Philistines do? They say, well, the Israel brought in the ark of God. They're going to kill us. Let's man up and fight as hard as we can. Look, when they repented, they have no army. The Philistines know they have no army. They know they have nothing. God thundered. Made a noise the Philistines were confused and ra- ran away. You see, the devil wanted to fight the Israels from their own fears. And God made the devil afraid. When we pray, when we repent, when we spend time with God, God thunders in our life. Let's the devil flee away from us. One of the saints, I think, Saint Marina, when she used to pray, the devil would come close to her, he can't even penetrate her prayer. There is glory around us when we pray, protection around us when we pray. Do not waste our life without prayer. God is calling us to maintain a covenant with him. And that covenant is conditional. That covenant requires us to participate. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.